0: Well, good evening. Let me get a show of hands real quick. Who was here last time we did the relationship talk in November of 2008? That's a good showing. We're, uh, we do not anticipate to go that long again. That was a long night. It's the longest CBS ever. Uh, we had a lot of questions. Um, but Tonight, by God's grace, in his strength and his wisdom, we will seek to answer 14 questions. That you as a college ministry sub- sent in. You submitted these. All the questions that came. We're going to answer them. Except some were you know, m- duplicates. So we didn't put those in. We just lumped them together. Before we get going. Before we give any disclaimers. I'm going to pray for us. We need God's grace. Father you are mighty to save. You are wonderful. You are resplendent with light. You are re- replete. As the text says like a spring Lord. You are constant. You do not change. You are our hope. Christ in you is our salvation. I ask tonight, Lord, I pray, I plead for your wisdom. I plead, Father, that you may give it and that you may impart to us an understanding of what relationships look like biblically. Father, we are so inundated with what the world says about friendships, about relationships, about marriage. Lord, help us to see clearly from your word how we are to treat our brothers and sisters. Oh, Lord, allow us to see this. Uh, I just pray that we speak with clarity and with power and in truth tonight. In the ears in this room, Lord, they may, may they be opened. May we be receptive to what you have to say. Father, fill this place with your spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome. You are welcome. We are such needy people. Father, just the gift that you've given even in, in sex, is, is to be enjoyed between married couples has been so perverted by the enemy. And I pray, Lord, I pray, Lord, that he will be bound from this hour. I pray that we will be able to see clearly from your word. This is my prayer my plea. and I ask this in your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. Like I said, 14 questions. We're taking a break. This is, if this is your first time to CBS on Wednesday nights, we've been walking through the book of Colossians, and we're taking a break right now. We will pick back up in there. But it's been 18 months, <coughs> and Jen and I got to talk in, for, in the fall. We said it's about another time for another relationship talk, so we planned it for this week. We had to plan a couple months out. Um, but what I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to r- read the questions. We're going to go back and forth, back and forth. Blue or for me. Pinker for Jen, <laughs> all right? And I, ho- I hope I didn't mess it up. I really don't. I <laughs> hope I didn't. Oh, it's mine. Uh, I want to give a disclaimer, and then Jen may want to give a disclaimer as well. Like I said, all the questions that were submitted, we're going to answer. All that were submitted, we're going to answer. We're going to try. going to try to answer. Uh, we're going to speak honestly, um, forthcoming. We're, I'm not going to try to mince or just... Hide words, I have a shepherd's heart, a shepherd's plea because there's a lot of counseling that goes on from these questions uh, these These questions address a lot of things that we will we have counseled on um and so my heart's burdened um because i've I've lived some of these questions, and i just it just pains me to see anyone go through that um so that's a disclaimer we, I'm not reading this question thinking this person isn't, you're not popping in mind these are just questions we're going to address them we're going to give you a ton of biblical references because we want to back this up biblically and I can give you my opinions all day long but they're not good Jen you want a disclaimer you want to give one
1: we are not experts on dating <laughs> we are both old and neither of us are dating anyone
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, so you can take that for what it's worth <laughs> didn't we say neither one of us have been on a date since 2005 is that it is that right that's not I heard bad. A gasp. I know, not gas. So we we laughed. We laughed. have been
1: at, really busy. Yeah, we busy. <laughs> we,
0: we laughed about it beforehand. That's what. But it's, I mean, so we're. <sighs> I get in trouble a lot around here. I do. It's
1: so easy to make feel bad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's a disclaimer. I know, like Jen said, we're. Two single people in our in our thirties, you know. But the Lord has us that way in this, in this season of life, and may it be used for His glory. May it be used. We, you know, we may not have had much experience in some of these things, but we've had friends, we've counseled on things, family. We just so, let's just start. Let me start with number one, <laughs> Jen. I have difficulty reading girls' signals. Is there a surefire way to tell whether a girl is interested in, in you, in me?
1: It's gonna be difficult if these are d- directly from you. Yeah, I don't. Um, no, no, they're not. I don't know. <laughs> okay.
0: I'm just kidding.
1: just kidding. Okay. I know, I'm feeling kind of sassy tonight. That can be bad. Um, I had a quiet time today. Um, Okay, so I feel like a doctor. So you're having difficulty reading girls' signals. Um, is there a surefire way to tell if a girl's interested in you? Um, my first note that I have is that I would place no confidence whatsoever in the presence or absence of a signal. Um, I'm a girl, and I don't even know when I'm giving out a signal. I mean... I mean, sometimes I think I'm giving out one, and y'all don't even know that I'm trying to flirt. You're like, what is wrong with her? (laughs) Is she having some kind of seizure? What is her (laughs) problem? And um, so I would place no confidence in that because um, we're just human girls. We don't know. We don't know. And so I would share this encouragement with you, um, my brothers in Christ. I would tell you to just find your confidence in the Lord. Um, there is not a surefire way to tell if a girl's interested in you. I take that back. There is a surefire way to tell, and you might not want to date that girl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just want to share some verses with you, and some of them, I'm sorry, I found them today, but I'm just gonna add to it. Um, Psalm 71, verse five says, "For you have been my hope, O Sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth." And um, Isaiah 30:21 says. Um, whether you turn to the right or to the left, or I could add, whether you ask her out or don't, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And I would not let whether her answer is yes or no um, be the determining factor of whether or not the Lord had told you to ask her out. The Lord might have put on your heart to inquire whether she's interested in you, just to build character in you, not necessarily because you're going to marry her, um, Psalm 118, verses 8 and 9 says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in men. It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes or princesses. Um, So just put your trust in the Lord. Um, And I just kind of wrote down four things. If I were a guy, um, what I would suggest, um, I would seek the Lord. I would watch her character more than her signals. You don't want to date signals anyway. You want to date character. So I'd watch her character. Um, I would pray and I would get in the word. And if you have peace, then you ask her out, whether she's got a signal or not. Um, and um, Isaiah thirty-two seventeen says, The fruit of righteousness is peace. And the effects of righteousness, which if you belong to the Lord, you can have the effects of righteousness in your life. The effects of righteousness are quietness of spirit and confidence forever. Mm-hmm. So you just be that guy. You be that guy and if you ask her out and she says no and you have confidence in the lord you'll be fine mm-hmm. if you ask her out and your confidence was in some signal or some hope that she would say yes then you're destroyed you know so be the guy whose confidence is in the lord
0: kurt what do you think guys find attractive <laughs> Why do guys say they find certain things attractive, but when it comes down to it, they seem blind to quiet, gentle, and godly women and give a lot of attention to shallower qualities? Hmm. <laughs> well, I put one thing up there to show you what guys find attractive, and it's David. He so said, one evening, David got up from the through. I mean, it's, it's true. Bathsheba, he found? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, David found Bathsheba attractive. And guys do i mean that there is i mean ladies guys are, are physically driven i i mean we live long enough to know that but why do guys say they find certain things attractive but when it comes down to it they seem blind to quiet gentle and godly women first of all the blindness is a matter of perception um you may think the guys blind to it but he may have a leading of the lord to be single but now for the sake of the question He's blind, but gives a lot of attention to shallower qualities. Guys, bear with me. Shallower qualities, I I feel, are signs of selfishness and immaturity. Because we as men are more concerned with ourselves than the girls who exhibit the shallow qualities. Think about this. And having an easy relationship means you can do other things while keeping a positive social image. Pursuing women with these deeper qualities means you become last as a man. And you give up those selfish ambitions. If you're pursuing these qualities, you understand as a man the role that's been placed upon you. One day, husbands love your wife the way Christ loves the church. What did Christ do? He gave himself up for the church. And if you understand that role, that means you become what? First, second, or last? (laughs) Last. And I would say that it's a man who's not ready to put himself last. I said, personally, I don't think such men have given up these ambitions or matured in their relationship with Christ to the point where they properly embrace the humility and sacrifice of Christ on the cross. When I'm in counseling sessions with guys in this relationship, I'm like, do you understand the cross? Do you understand the cross? Do you understand the cross? It, 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 gets always, it always goes back to the cross. But guys, they find, we find attractive. There's a physical side of that. But ladies, exhibit those deeper qualities. Exhibit them. Live them. Wait upon the Lord. <clears throat> Wait upon the Lord. If it's, if it's, I'll just say, if it's a guy that only likes his shallower qualities, it's not someone you need to be with anyway. anything add anything to that all right Jen if you are a virgin should you only marry a virgin
1: no next question no I'm just kidding (laughs) 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 um no because it's not in scripture anywhere that that's true um if you are dating someone at some point in your relationship not date one not date 500 you should have an airing of your past where it just all comes out. It's all out there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You don't do it so early that she's like, I'm sorry, what's your last name? And you don't do it (laughs) so late that she's like, but I'm wearing your ring to marry you tomorrow, right? So at some point, you need to air the things that have happened in your past, all of it. And you may be like, Jen, it's gonna be hard to tell her that. Or Jen, it's gonna be hard to tell him that. Um, even forgiven sin has regret, right? So you just got to get it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of you may find if you have walked a purer path in the person you are dating, that it is very hard for you to find forgiveness and to date them anyway. And you need to be honest and you need to tell them that. And that's the point where you may have to walk away. I'll just put that out there. If you know that that's something you can't get over, you need to be honest and tell them that. Um, if you are a Christ-following, word-believing, growing Christian, you should marry someone of that like mind, but that does not mean that they will not have a past. Everyone in this room has a past. Some of it involves sexual things, and some of it doesn't. Um, In Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, and all of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the desires of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts we were by nature objects of wrath so all of us have a past and you may have in your heart and in your mind decided that if you are a virgin that you want to marry a virgin but i would discourage you from making a black and white i will not be moved from this list kind of list because you may also find on that list that someone else has things like someone who's ever been addicted to porn or someone who's had an eating disorder prone to depression or a shopaholic or Um, debilitating insecurity or who has ever had cutting in their past or some kind of abuse. I mean, the list could go on and on of all the things that you're like, I find that a bit distasteful. Well, guess what? Your sin's distasteful too, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I would encourage you to consider how you've been forgiven and ask the Lord to show you how to forgive them. Um, How do you know if um, they've moved on from that? And I would say, are they living in a way that displays consistent repentance from that lifestyle? Um, has enough time gone by for you to see that they are living a consistent life of repentance? Was it last week? Was it two years ago? That's that's a, a difference. Um, if you want to look up some evidence of repentance, um, 2 Corinthians seven ten through 11, lists all the evidence of godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, a great story in Luke 7 that talks about the... Um, impure woman who is washing Jesus' feet. And everyone's appalled that he would, that Jesus would even let her touch him. And Jesus says at the end of the story, the one who's been forgiven much can love much. And I would encourage you to think on that verse when you have that talk, that it all comes out talk, to think on the fact, have they been forgiven much? Do they know it and are they walking in it? Because perhaps that means they really will love much. Okay? So that's what I would
0: say. I put that last verse up there, Proverbs eighteen twenty two. He who, who finds a good wife finds a thing finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And I was just reading through the Proverbs today and thinking of this question and it just it addresses he who, who finds a wife. He who, who finds a wife. As Jen said it doesn't address anything that specific. Kurt, why can't a girl initiate a relationship? Example, asking a guy to coffee or something like that. Does the guy always have to initiate? I meant to put that near the end. I didn't want to answer this that soon. I had a girl ask me out one time when I was five years old. I did, I did. She asked me to, yeah, on the last date. (laughs) She was my neighbor across the street. We were playing in the yard, chest maybe beer boyfriend, and I was like, I I, I don't think so. I, I remember I I don't remember her name, but I vividly remember I was caught off guard. Now, I put this verse up here, Genesis 3.16. And ladies, just, just just bear with me real quick. Real quick. Genesis 3.16, be your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And there's that book. If I'm not, I've never read it, but it says Wild Women, Passive Men. Is that the name of the book? How the tendency since the curse and since the fall of man and fall into sin has been, as the writer's saying, the desire for women, for the, the husband's head and, and for the man just to be passive. I'm like, go ahead and do it. And some of you have grown up in a household like that. Some of you know exactly what that's talking about. Now this is going to speak more of my, my reformed understanding of theology. Why can't a girl initiate a relationship? I look at Ephesians 5, 22 to 33 and see that husbands of your wives of Christ of the church salvation is of Christ Christ is the great initiator he is the savior and so we see that parallel given in scripture just laid out for us I'd say ladies there's a much bigger picture here than wants or desires God's glory is what is ultimate and he has set things in place that when done Correctly show a reversal of the effects of the curse of sin. Ladies waiting upon the Lord and drawing near to Him, men having to step up and act out, act and draw near to God, seeking His guidance. So men step up. That's it. Anything you want to add to that? All right, Jen. Most guys I know prefer the company of girls. Why is the opposite not the case for girls? Why do girls prefer to hang out with girls?
1: Now, I'm not sure that that's true. (laughs) Um, I know lots of girls that prefer the company of guys over girls because girls are high-maintenance, and they just are annoyed with their own gender. Um, I can think of... I mean, I I am a girl. I can say that, right? Um, No, I'm annoyed with myself. And so um, so I'm not sure, but um, I will say that I had more guy friends when I was younger than I do now. Um, And part of that's because all my guy friends have gotten married, and you just aren't best buddies with the guy who got married. If you are, something's gone terribly wrong Mm -hmm. in your friendship um, world. Um, and so as I've gotten older, I've realized that really close to guy friends is a pretty limited investment, but really close girlfriends, I can keep, um, this, the relationship may change, but I can keep them. So I would just, I would just put that out there, but, um, you know, why do girls prefer girls and guys prefer girls? Um, <laughs> um, just the verse that came to mind, Hebrews ten 25, let's not forsake meeting together as some are in habit of doing and, um and i would suggest if this verses if this question is hinting for me to tell girls to be your friend um to uh, make your closest friends and confidants people of the same gender but enjoy the collective company of the body of christ you know when all i do is spend all my time with all girls i start to get weird <laughs> you know like i don't know what to do around guys and i i don't and and i've noticed with guys when all they do is spend every minute around all guys they get all weird too And we become inappropriate in mixed company because we don't know. Do you know what I mean? That's true. That's true. Okay.
0: That's true.
1: Because you're like, oh, I've watched it happen. They're like, oh, Jen's in the room. I'm like, that's right. (laughs) You know? Um, So I would encourage that um, to have co-ed friendships, but to have same-gender friends that are really kindred hearts um, and accountability. Um, That's just my.
0: That's good. Good. No. I like it. Next question, Kurt. What do you do if you're not dating and you want to be? Uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, hey, welcome <laughs> to our world, huh? So <laughs> like E Harmony. I was no, I'm just not. Uh, <laughs> do not, do not sign me up. Do not. I do, I, I have a lot of you who have done part of the process. Don't finish it. Don't finish it, guys. <laughs> you know who you are. I know who you are, too. I get the emails, the notifications. <laughs> Serious. What do you do if you're not dating and you want to be? I, uh, I would say don't consume yourself with wanting that lifestyle. I think one thing Jenna and I talked about this earlier this week. How in our society it's it's just we see this all along is that those who are not dating want to act like they're dating. Mm-hmm. Those who are dating want to act like they're married, and those who are married want to act like they're single. <laughs> you think about that. Uh, um, who was the lady that came and spoke up? The the desert rat that the book she wrote, Eileen Coleman. Coleman. She said she said singleness is not a disease, she, you know, and she's right. Helen Roosevelt, 82 years old, said it's a single person her whole life. She said, it's a privilege. So if it's just for a season, don't miss out on what the Lord is teaching you during that period. Even if it's for like eight months, just cherish it, learn from it. I just put it, First Corinthians 7, 32, one who is unmarried is concerned about the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. And then Proverbs 28, 19, uh, well, this is your verse, Jen. Yeah, you want me to read it? To
1: say mm-hmm. yeah. um, I said Proverbs 28 19 Because um, if you're not dating and you want to be It's easy to spend your whole life in fantasy Especially if you're a girl Dreaming about who you would like to date And pointing some people out to the Lord That you would prefer that he <laughs> sends your way <laughs> and, um, and I found that that really does end in poverty Because nothing that I can fantasize about In my mind is going to be as good as what the Lord can do um, and so it says, "He who works his land has abundant food." So if your land is that you're single, just work the land that the Lord's given you. You know, I have a lot. of I must say, I have a lot of friends. I have all friends that are married and have children, and I get I tell them, you know, about going on mission trips and doing this and that, and you know, Bible study at my house, and they are so jealous. Not in a horrible bad way, but they're just like, "Man, I wish I had those days back," you know. And I'm not. They don't love being married and having kids, but they're like, "Man, just use that season that you have." Just Use it for the Lord, and then when you get married, you just use that season for the Lord. And when you're old and widowed, use that season for the Lord. You know, um,
0: yeah. so. with um, I'll give you an example, and I, I want you to I want you to think. This is why I always say immersion into the church is so important. It is so important because you see how the Lord has 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 us in places and seasons and for a reason. Um, even just this Saturday, this past Saturday, they had the citywide Easter egg hunt. And I went with a family here in the church who has several kids, and I, the guy is one of my good friends, but they have three kids. And I went out, helped with the kids, helped walk around with them, and just I have that flexibility, I have that ability. Um, he and his wife could spend a little more time together because I got, I'm I'm there watching out for the kids as well. And it's just using that gift in place where the Lord has you, for the for the body, for the building up of the body. Uh, just being cognizant of that, it's it's a, it's a it's a privilege. A lot of times. Seven. Jen, what does it mean when girls say they are not spiritually ready to date yet? What causes girls to think they are not spiritually ready?
1: Um, I have two answers for this. The first answer is maybe they really believe they're spiritually immature. Um, now, I would add to that, it's been my experience, that the people who are the most immature are usually not mature enough to recognize that they're immature. You know what I mean? Um. But maybe they believe that they really are spiritually immature, what could make them feel spiritually immature. Maybe they have little knowledge of God's word or they know they're not applying it in their life at all. Um, Maybe they're struggling with the stronghold of sin that maybe you can see or maybe nobody can see. Um, Maybe they are a new believer or new to trying to walk with the Lord And dating at that moment would be a distraction. Um, Or maybe they have a previous track track record of disobedience in relationships. Um, So that's answer one. Maybe they really are spiritually immature. Um, Answer two. I call it misplaced mercy. Um, Because um, girls have this innate switch in us. And it's called the don't hurt anyone's feelings switch. I've turned mine off sometimes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's true, isn't it? I know. Um, um, And so in an effort to be kind, and I say that because I don't want to um, slam a girl who really was efforting to be kind. In an effort to be kind, um, sometimes we think playing the God card sounds more spiritual and less confrontational than really just saying, I'm not interested. And I think I could speak for guys that I've talked to that they would rather you say I'm not interested than say there's something God wrong with you <laughs> and I can't date you, okay? And so, I mean, they can deal with the fact you don't like them. They don't know what to do with the fact that there's something God wrong with you, you know? And so, um, and so I would say that um, sometimes saying that they're not spiritually ready to date just means they're not ready to date you. And um, it bothers me greatly when I see my sisters in Christ say that to someone on a Tuesday and two weeks later, they suddenly are spiritually ready to date the guy they like better. And so girls, if you say that to a guy, something along the lines of, I'm fasting from dating or I'm not spiritually ready to date or I'm really trying to find my walk with the Lord, whatever, um, he has every right to come to you in a month when you're dating someone and say, what? What? because scripture says always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have and if you found hope that you've gotten spiritually mature spiritually mature in two weeks he would like to know how you did it you know and guys if you don't have the guts to you come find me and I will go and I will ask her I will won't I I know that's what so sad the girl's like she'll will do it um and I will ask them how they found it, because I would like to know. Um James five twelve says, So let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so girls, if the guys have had the confidence in the Lord to come ask you, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Um and then Proverbs sixteen, thirteen. Kings take pleasure in honest lips, and they value a man who speaks the truth. Um so I would just encourage guys and girls to speak the truth in love seasoned with grace.
0: The next question is kind of it's a, it's add-on from this. I made it my question. Uh, how do we as Christian men overcome a woman's lack of confidence in themselves or their lack of confidence in Christ? Whew. Look at these verses. I'm going to say this. Men, understand your role as a, as a brother in Christ. Understand it. I'm going back to this. Christ first. Other second yourself last. I'm not married, but my the overwhelming thing I hear from my married friends, the guys, they say, "Kurt, you want to find out how selfish you are? Get married. And if you really want to find out how selfish you are, have kids. You know, this this talk about men—you got to have your man cave when you get older and get in your house. Don't even be, make the plans. You know what? You know what is the most? I think one of the most God honoring things for me to hear is when my buddies get home from work at five o'clock and they're not available because they're playing with their kids. And they're spending time with the wife. They're coming in, doing the dishes, helping her out, because she's had a, day, a bad day with child number two who's been throwing up all day. And they are they die to self. You die to self. Look at this. As a single man, Paul's telling Timothy this. Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. It's a key phrase right there, in all purity. Colossians 2, 9 through 10 We just got through talking about this last week. For in him, that's Christ, all the fullness of deity deity dwells in bodily form. And in him you have been made complete. I I think I picked up on this last year when we had the Burley Man Choir. And we're all singing up there. and, And the amount of senior ladies, senior citizen ladies, who came up to me crying after the service. Because they saw the men unashamedly singing unto the Lord. And it, it just it fired them up. And I think, men, the role that's placed upon you, it's a huge responsibility. You exhibit that completion that you find in Christ. And you exhibit that unashamedly unto the Lord. And let your sisters in Christ see that. You honor them. You put them ahead of yourselves. You put their needs ahead of yours. You're always cognizant when they're in the room. They get this, I mean, just it's just a death, I just can't say this enough, a death to self. And then they see that exhibited in you, that completion that's found only in Christ. They see your assurance, how rock solid it is, and let it be contagious. It will be. In 2 Timothy 3, 2 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13, it talks about us not being idle. I d l e. Now, the context of second 2 Timith- second Thessalonians is that they were thinking, you know, the second coming's about to occur, so let's just not work. Let's just get, kick back and just wait until the second coming. And he says, no, do not be busybodies sitting around just talking and chatting. Do stuff for the kingdom. Be kingdom-minded. And that's, I think that's a charge that should be placed upon all of us as men to encourage our sisters in Christ. Question number nine. Jim, <clears throat> what course of action should a Christian couple take concerning the future of their relationship, but they are actively and continually having sex of any kind, oral sex, etc.
1: Okay. I think this was the hardest question that I had, not because I don't know the answer, but because this is not a hypothetical question for a lot of people um, in Auburn. Um, my first question would be, do they see it as wrong? Um, if they don't see it as wrong, that's a whole other problem. Um, Sexual intercourse, oral sex. The question I ask girls when they ask me about sex is, was anyone partially or fully naked? Then you've got a problem. Then you've got a problem. Um, and so I would say, what, do, what should you do if both of you are believers and you have found yourself entwined and entangled in sexual sin? Um, well, the first thing, I don't even have this on my notes, is I would say there's nothing that's beyond the forgiveness of the Lord. Um nothing nothing Um, so you have not crossed any threshold that is a point of no return in any way shape or form Um, Ephesians 5 3 does tell us among you there must not be even a hint of immorality or of any kind of impurity and I know that if this is a part of your relationship or if you have friends that this is a part of their relationship the advice I'm going to give is going to be really hard because sex bonds people together even hormonally, there are hormones that are released in your body that are bonding hormones. It's the same hormone that's released when a mother breastfeeds her baby to bond her to the baby, um, which in marriage, that's wonderful that it bonds you together. In dating, it is dangerous that it bonds you together because it doesn't give you a clear sense of right and wrong because you have all these other things going on inside of your heart and your mind and your emotions. Um, Proverbs nine seventeen and 18 says, Stolen water is sweet. And food eaten in secret is delicious, but little do they know that the dead are there and that her guests are in the depths of the grave. Um, Proverbs 10.2 says, ill-gotten treasure is of no value. And if you are having sex and you are not married, it is ill-gotten treasure. It's treasure for later. So this is what I would suggest you do. First Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from immorality um so i would flee from immorality and as hard as it may be for you to see this the person you are sinning with you will need to flee from as well not because they are a wretched horrible person but because it is hard to be reconciled and made right with the lord while you are duct taped to the person that you are sinning with um distance gives you perspective and you may find when you are distanced from the person you've been sinning with that the Lord reveals to you having sex was not the only problem in your relationship. Um, so I would say the relationship must end. It is difficult because in our heart we want it to be redeemable because then it doesn't seem like what we've done was quite so bad because we were going to marry them. Um, the next thing I would say is that you need to seek godly counsel and accountability. Um, Galatians 6, 1 and 2 says that we're to restore gently those who are trapped in sin and we're to carry each other's burdens. So if you think that you and Susie, you know, are, are having the struggle in your relationship and you're going to take a break from each other and neither of you are going to tell anyone about the struggles that you've had in your relationship, I give you a week. Maybe. Because sin is black. Chains are real. And there is some bit of freedom that is found in confessing our sins to one another and in knowing that there is someone who is going to help you to stand when it is hard and I haven't told curses but you can come to one of us um if you're the guy come to him (laughs) if you're the girl (laughs) come to me I mean I'll listen and I'll be like I'm sorry um I'll pray um come to one of us if you find somebody that you trust that you know walks with the Lord and you just say this is what's going on um The next thing I would suggest is um, that you need to restore your fellowship with the Lord. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first his kingdom and all the rest will be added to you. So you don't worry about all the rest. You just seek after the Lord. And then the last thing I would say is that if the Lord resurrects that relationship, and I don't mean in a day, a week, a month, if sometime down the road the Lord resurrects that relationship, it will be new and it will be transformed and it will be totally different. Because things that the Lord redeems and resurrects always look different. You know, no one recognized Jesus after he resurrected. It always looks new and different. Um, Revelation 21.3, I just love this verse. It says, look, I am making everything new. These words are trustworthy and true. So if you have found yourself entwined in sin, you need to stop and leave. You need to restore your relationship with the Lord first and wait and pray and see what the Lord does. Perspective comes from distance.
0: You just I want to reiterate the grace mm-hmm. that is there for any of this. The grace that is there of the Lord. Just remember He is His grace is matchless. We sing that sometimes. His, his grace is matchless, but perspective is gained by distance. That accountability is key. I mean, there's some practical things you can do, but I, I think... Um, Psalm 51.12, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I mean, you remember what Psalm 51 was about? The, the cry from David after he committed sin with Bathsheba. And what does he cry out? Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Let the bedrock of your focus be the cross. Be what you've been redeemed from. And that's why, you see, you flee from immorality. I mean, it can be enjoyed in marriage. Enjoyed. Treasure. A treasure. But flee it. Have Have that accountability. I mean, if it's um, I'll just give a little practical thing. If it's just something simple, but it, it you know, if you're a guy, and you're getting married in six months, move into the trailer with me. I mean, because you're not. <laughs> There's four other guys there. I mean, you just you discipline yourself. I mean, I, John Owen quote the old Puritan: "Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you." And you see the effects of it either in your own life or in the lives of others that you know and you're burdened by it. Let me go on to 10. Kurt, what are the boundaries, the balance of being friendly enough so that you don't hurt a friendship with someone of the opposite sex? How should I act or communicate with a guy in a way so as not to give the wrong impression? Uh, this is coming from a lady. Um, I, I put down Matthew five thirty-seven. simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. None of this... None of these games. Um, One question I'd have is, how much alone time do you spend together as friends? How much alone time? Boundaries, balance of being friendly enough so you don't hurt a friendship. I'll say this. Jen mentioned this earlier, but the best guy and girl friendships that you have currently will end one day. Either you're married to that person or they're married to someone else. And you just, I think I know of one friend from high school who is a girl that is still not married. One person. That's it. And just everybody's married. And so I had it. That was a hard thing for me. It was a hard thing to give up some of my solid friendships when I was about 21, 22, because they all started getting married. But it'll it'll happen one day. Um, Proverbs 31, 30, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Let it be known up front that your, your allegiance is to being Honoring as a sister in Christ, you fear the Lord. Let him see that. Let him know that. But let your communication be clear, and guys, let your communication be clear. You're the ones, men, to step out and make make your intentions be known. You know, none of this. I just I, f- I feel for the girl, uh, ladies. I I, I I get almost been out of shape. When I hear of someone just being strung along, you know, do I don't know if he likes me. I don't know. Guys, just just put the heart out there on the arm, put it put it out there. If she crushes it, she crushes it. But if your confidence is in Christ, she's gonna cru- If she crushes it, your confidence is in Christ, and you're gonna say, you know what? Because you're sister in Christ, no one else knew that I was coming to you. I respect you in that, and I will not change any way I act around you. I will still be. Friendly I want nothing's going to change. I'm not going to be, become weird or anything, but i I'm, I'm, I'm going to be intentional still as as a brother in Christ for kingdom purposes, but thank you for being honest with me and up front Let's just have this clear communication. It solves all this two three months of just uncertainty, and you've had two or three months that have gone by and it's just angst. There are boundaries there are boundaries anything you want to add to that, Jen? All right, number eleven. I only got fourteen questions, so we're near the end. <clears throat> Jen, why do many girls come <laughs> to class dressed as if they just rolled out of bed? <laughs> uh, t-shirt, UGG boots, leggings, running shorts, PJs, unbrushed hair. <laughs> that question was submitted by. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say. <laughs> him, <I'm> gonna say. <laughs> no, it was not you. <laughs>
1: So I, on purpose, did not go on campus today, so none of you would be like, she saw me and she is talking about me. Um, Why do girls do that? Well, the number one reason is maybe they did just roll out of bed um, and come to class. Um, I talked to someone today who who came to Auburn in 1969, and I asked her what the dress code was, 1969. She said, in 1969, you would be kicked out of class if you didn't have a skirt on if you were a girl, and when you went to PE class, you wore shorts, but you could only cr- walk across campus in your shorts if you wore a ankle-length trench coat to cover them up. Cool. We would all be in big trouble. Um, you know, that's not like Jesus' time. That's like yeah. 40 years ago. Um, anyway, so all that to be said, um, why do girls do that? I don't know. Um, I would say. Um, I would say it has always been, and I can just speak from from my experience. I think it is always a struggle for girls to balance what's trendy with what's appropriate. It is much harder for girls than guys. I mean, what changes the style of jeans? I mean, I don't know what changes for guys. I mean, not not really anything. You know, I mean, um, your skirt length doesn't change. I mean, you're not wearing deep V-neck shirts or anything, and so. I think for girls, I think it's always, please don't, (laughs) I mean, if it is, if it ever comes out, I beg you. Um, I think it's really hard for girls to balance what's trendy with what's appropriate because you don't want to look like a Quaker, you know, um, going to class, but you don't want to be Lady Gaga walking to class either. And so this is my suggestion. That would be funny, though. Okay, this is my suggestion. Whether whether girls like it or not, how we dress is an outward display of our character. Maybe like, Jen, that is not fair. Well, tough, you know? I mean, God's Word says it. First Samuel um, 16, 17 says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man can only look at the outward appearance. The only display of what someone can see, of what my character is, is what they can see on the outside. So I'm not going to say that you shouldn't wear your Ugg boots or brush your hair, although I really think maybe we should have that one down by now. But um, I would just remember that how you appear on the outside is a reflection of what your character appears to be. And if you appear sloppy and slovenly and, like, you don't care about how you look, then people probably think that you are lazy and slovenly and don't care. And if that's an image you're okay with portraying, then never brush your hair. I mean, but I don't think that's probably an image that you're okay with with portraying. I will say this. When I was on campus, was it last week that we were on campus? When I was on campus last week and I saw several girls, none of you who were in the room, dressed like this, you know what my first thought was? Because I'm just a nerd. I bet they didn't have a quiet time this morning. <laughs> I mean, how do you spend time with the Lord when you roll out of bed and you come to class in your pajamas? I mean, I know you didn't. And so I would just think if you can maybe order your day in a way that you would have more time. Um, Proverbs 7.10 says that the prostitute is dressed, um, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent, that the way she dresses is a, um, shows the intent of her heart. So I wrote down just four little tips, and I hope no one's wearing any of these things in this room. I looked around as people came in, so hopefully I'm okay. Okay. Um, Hopefully I am. If you're mad at me, we can go close shopping later. Um, <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, the first thing I say is don't blindly follow trends. Um, you're a believer. You're in the world but not of the world. So don't just blindly follow a trend. Um, it is easy to think that you're dressing modest when you're living in a, a world full of people who are dressed outrageously immodestly. But I would consider whether you really are being modest or you're just being more modest than the most worldly person you know. You know? So I would think of that. Um, Have discretion with your wardrobe um, to wear the right thing at the right place at the right time. I love pajamas. If you come to my house at 11 o'clock at night, I will have pajamas on. You should not find me in the dairy aisle of Kroger with my pajamas on. You know? I mean... I like leggings and running shorts. You'll find me wearing them when I'm walking or exercising, but I probably won't have them on at a wedding shower, you know? And so I would just try to think, not that anything you're wearing probably is awful, but if it's appropriate, sorry. Hope no one wore leggings to a wedding shower yesterday. Um, and if if the trend is that you're just going to dress comfortable no matter what, um, which I think probably is the trend for our generation, um, I would just consider if you can be comfortable and maybe not have a appearance that's maybe lazy and I would just keep in mind this question did come from guy a guy and I didn't just get this question from one guy multiple guys ask me why do girls dress like they don't even care um which I thought was so funny that guys notice because sometimes I tend to act like guys are just oblivious to everything unless I'm naked you know but that's not true. <laughs> I mean, you would notice, right? Okay. Um but it's not true. Um anyway. So, hope that helps.
0: It, it it's it's true. I mean, and, and the same goes for guys. So, I mean, girls, this is all this is, is not all on you. I mean, guys as well. I mean, you can turn around this question. It is true that not much not much of my style has changed I don't know about guys style I wore a polo shirt and jeans to high school that was 1995 you know that was a long time ago I I wore these same shoes these shoes came out in 1992 I still I still buy them I mean so it just style does not change and I'm just I'm very simple like that but you know guys I mean you can tell I can tell when that you don't do your laundry. when I can smell your clothes, or I can see the wrinkles because they've been crowded in the corner of your room, <laughs> and part of me thinks I'm like, "Does a lady find that attractive?" If she walked in and saw that just lumped up on the ground and there's like fuzz from like the, the dryer vent on top of it, and you're like, "It's gr- You gonna wear that? And why are you gonna wear that?" You know. It, so I mean, guys, you know, be cognizant of that. You you can, I, I mean, just I mean, just always be thinking ahead. Just be thinking ahead about about what you wear. Let me let me just go on. Twelve. Kurt, is it okay to pray for your potential husband? How do we pray for them? I think it's okay. I bet your parents have been praying, ladies, for your potential husband since before you were born. And guys, I bet same with, same with you. I think it's fine to pray. I think Matthew six nine through ten sums it up. You know, pray that thy will be done, O oh Lord. Uh, I, I don't pray, Lord. Let your will be done in Kurt's life, Lord. Let your will be done. I just pray that his will is done in this. Um, <clears throat> I thought a good prayer to pray, possibly it could be Ephesians three seventeen or through 19. And it, it starts in verse 14. It says, this prayer I, pl- I make, 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Look at that. To know the love which surpasses knowledge. See, no knowledge right there. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. <clears throat> I think it's a wonderful prayer to pray for future husband. If someone is growing in the grace and knowledge of, of Christ Jesus, and that's who you marry, wow. It would be a great prayer to pray, guys, for your future wife. So, yes, I think so.
1: Um, The Genesis twenty four two verses when Abraham's servant goes out to find a wife for Isaac and um, the first thing that he does is pray, um, which I think is a good example and and I just written down to pray God's word or you know passages about character or wisdom or purity, (laughs) to pray about qualities you to see displayed in um, men in the body of Christ. You know, um, Lord, I I love how Doctor Swango is so caring for Mm, his wife, Lord. If you allow me to get married, I pray that he would be a caring and gentle man. Or even for guys, you know, like, you know, Lord, I, I, I can see how, you know, maybe one of the venture home moms, how she's so hospitable. Or if you allow me to get married, I pray I would marry someone who had that mm-hmm. sort of a heart to have people in their home. Um, to pray pray for yourself. And I, and I just kind of had two warnings, because um, I am a girl. Yeah. Um, to don't give God suggestions of guys you recommend. Um, and I, and I would suggest, just from my personal experience, to pray when prompted maybe by the Holy Spirit or when it's just on your mind, but to not be obsessive about it. Because i found in seasons of my life when I was like the prayer warrior of the world for my husband, I got weird. And I started, I started to have this real discontentment in my heart that I don't think was from the Lord because I was just so narrowly focused on that, you know? I'm going to just pray him here. And, um, you know, I would just suggest when you're prompted by the Lord to pray.
0: Don't let it consume you. Jen, what topics or issues should be off limits for co-ed conversations?
1: Um, well, when I answered this, I assumed they meant friendship conversations, but it could be girlfriend. I'm not sure. Um, I would say if you're dating someone and you're like, I call it like level one dating, you know, if you're at level 1 dating, I would let the things that I talk about for friendship apply to you. If you're at level 10 dating, you know, level 1 is, I'm not sure even how to spell her last name. And level 10 is, the ring is in my pocket, I'm just waiting till I see her. That um, You've probably crossed some of these lines, and it's okay if you're about to marry. I mean, you're about to marry this person. Um, the first thing I would suggest, you know, what topics should be off-limits? really before I thought of any topics the first thing that came to mind was not the quality of your conversation but the quantity of your conversation I can be really discerning maybe for an hour at eight o'clock at night I get really bad at discernment after about five hours of talking or at like one in the morning and um you're like let's try it see what she says um (laughs) I mean, and I don't think that's just me. I don't think that's just me. You know, I mean, we've all been there, right? The conversations in bed, you're just like, you know, it's like three in the morning. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Um, you know what I dreamed about last night? And I'm like, who cares, you know? And so I would suggest quantity of time is your probably best line of defense. It's your best line of defense because I don't care how godly you are. There does come a point when you just lose your discernment, um, but as far as the quality of conversation, I just made a list of a few things that, I, that in my opinion should be off limits um, based on the First Timothy 5.2 verse that Curtis talked about to see um, a girl, a woman, as a sister in Christ and to guard her in purity. Um, the first thing I would say is Ephesians 4.29, let nothing come out of your mouth except that which is wholesome, that builds up and benefits her so i would just ask yourself I mean we can't like make a list of 500 topics not to talk about I mean you do just have to have some discernment and Holy Spirit leading in your life and so I would say is it wholesome is it building her up does it benefit her if it doesn't then don't say it Um, when I was in college ministry and when I was a student our college pastor used to always say is it kind is it true is it necessary if that's not true don't say it Um, As far as topics, I would suggest that body functions and body parts should be off limits in co-ed friendship conversations. And you laugh, but you know it's true, right? Um, I mean, I'm a girl, and I had guy friends. I know how that works. Um, Prolonged conversations about relationships or the kind of girl or guy that you're attracted to is probably not the wisest choice because usually in friendships between a girl and a guy, the chances are very good that at least one of you is starting to have a little heartstring for the other you may be like, Jen, that's not true. Well, then you're not the one in the friendship probably. (laughs) It's the other one, okay? Um, I think praying together is probably a bad area of conversation for co-ed. I wouldn't pray together. Um, Any conversation about sex or innuendos about sex. Mm -hmm. um, Sitting together as friends and watching a movie with a lot of innuendos and sex is probably a bad idea. I mean, sitting with all girls watching it's probably a bad idea. But with guys, it's especially bad. Um, just think what I watched this with my mother, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and I and I also had said um, that I would avoid crass or vulgar humor. Um, and I've noticed lately. Um, and I would just appeal to my brothers and sisters in Christ, because boys aren't the only ones. Girls can be pretty vulgar and crass too. Um, I would just appeal to you that. Um, Things that are vulgar and crass are not funny if you walk with the Lord. That is the world's humor. And um, my heart has been burdened lately, and Curtis knows this, um, by guys who have decided that using profanity in a joke is funny and it's not profane anymore. It is. And I just want to encourage you that if you are redeemed of the Lord, that means every part of you, including your mouth. And I sit here as one who struggles sometimes with thinking, oh, that would be fun to say. But I want to challenge you. Um, The world is not just watching your life, but they are listening to you. And it may just be a funny phrase to you, but how awful would it be if that was a stumbling block that those words rang in that girl or that guy's ears for the rest of the night? And it led them mentally down a path that they did not mean to go on, but you sent them there. And so I would just encourage you um, to talk like a redeemed person, no matter who you're with, including um, Co-Ed Company.
0: I had something um, about prayer. Uh, I know that people who disagree with Jen and I on this. Um, you know, if... if We'll pray in corporate settings out there. We'll pray over meals together. And that's not what we're talking about. Uh, about four years ago, I had a, a married friend tell me that, and I'll share this. He said that um, there are times when he and his wife are in prayer together that in that prayer time, they're more intimate than when they have sex. And I was like, come on. Are you serious? He said, yeah. And I've, I've said that to some other married men. They're like, God-fearing men. They're like, oh, that's right. You think about prayer is available because of what Christ did on the cross. We don't have to go through the high priest anymore. And in most cases, guys, if we'll be honest with ourselves, if we've ever done this, most cases, not always, but most cases, it's me wanting to flex my spiritual muscles around her. Guard it, guard it. It is a time of intimacy. Don't let Satan. (sighs) You'll have a field day. You start. Talking about emotions, expressing things that are dear to your heart in that prayer—it could be a recipe for disaster. Just guard yourselves. And this is the last question. You ready, Kurt? Is there such is there such thing as casual dating, and is it a good idea? Uh, to which I'd say n- no, no. Uh, it's kind of an oxymoron. Casual dating. Dating is to be intentional. I mean, I, I look at it, what I call casual dating, I, we called it in college, we called it dating as a hobby. Recreational, Recreational dating. I'm like, well, get a, go buy a boat. <laughs> go do something else, you know. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> what you doing Friday night? Well, nothing. <laughs> good. Yeah, dating. No. It, it just be intentional. If, if, guys, if she is a sister in Christ, treat her as a sister in Christ with all purity. Ladies, the same with guys. I, it does not honor the girl when she is strung along and ladies it does not honor him to be the reserve or the backup guy in your back pocket well you know i'm kind of string him along if this other thing doesn't work out I'll, I'll fall back on him i mean that's how the world operates i mean you watch enough soap operas you can you can see that you read enough tabloids you can see that if you went to my high school you can see that there should be purpose and intention in everything we do In our friendships, in your roommate situations, in your family situations back home, being intentional at all times for the kingdom. Come alongside, Paul said to the Philippians, I come alongside you for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul said, I desire to part and be with Christ, so that's much greater, but it's more necessary in your account that I remain, and I will do so for your progress and joy in the faith. He's in prison to Colossae, writes the letter, how much God knows how much I struggle for you. He's intentional some verses, she looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. And that's, you know, a virtuous woman passage right there in Proverbs 31, about a woman who is not, you read the whole tail end of 31, just how she's not idle. Ephesians 5 15 through 16, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. You know, in this casual dating, is that wise? I mean, it, it could be permissible, but is it profitable? You read First Corinthians six. A lot of things are permissible, but are they profitable? And I put on um, Proverbs twenty three six through eight. I was I, I read through Proverbs, and I was just trying to find out. Sometimes you just read the whole book of the Bible and try to and just try to focus on one phrase. Like I want to look for how many times is adultery mentioned, and it's mentioned a lot in the first ten chapters in Proverbs. But you get, I was looking for selfishness, and this was one of the one of the big ones I found. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desires delicacies, for as he thinks within himself, so he is. He says to you, eat and drink, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the morsel you have eaten and waste your compliment. And it's it's kind of like entering into that casual dating. Who is really being served in that? If I'm entering to that, I'm just serving myself. This is kind of convenient for me. This is This is good. I'll just go with the flow. She'll go with the flow. Um... Just some song lyrics are coming to my mind from Dave Matthews sings about that. One of his older older songs, "Tomorrow Go Back to Being Friends." I can't remember that. I can't remember the name of the song, but it's off, off, off like the two thousand one CD. But that, it, it, when he sang that, I was like, "That's the epitome of our culture." It's more casual. It's not healthy. Do you want to add anything to that? We're ready for the uh, top eight. This is the last two slides. He or she may not be the one if. <laughs> we sought, sought some uh, older counsel on this as well. He or she may not be the one if they show no fruit of being a maturing believer. There's some verses just to back this up. I just want to put some verses up there. They have no close friends. If you want to elaborate on any any of this, feel free. Uh, they treat their mom or dad badly. Yeah.
1: Girls, their dad. Boys, their mom, especially. Yeah.
0: yeah. If they have a volatile, volatile temper. Hmm. Five, they have a total lack of self-control, financially, verbally, academically, sexually, physically. Six, they're dating you and still flirting with the opposite sex. Seven, if you are not in agreement on the major issues and purposes of life, doctrine, family, future, ministry. And then A, if they have ever touched you in an aggressive manner. It goes both ways. It goes both ways, girls and guys. We'd love to say we filled your questions, but no, I mean, time's up. Uh, thank you all for being here. Um, let me pray for us, and we'll close.